This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like to welcome everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning on this coming up July the 4th weekend in a few days. I pray that as you are celebrating the freedom that this country received, that you are reflecting on the deeper freedom and goodness that we have from our Lord Jesus Christ. A special welcome to visitors this morning. We're, you are our honored guest in the house of the Lord. And everyone is invited after worship uh, through these doors to the lobby area, the garden room, so we can enjoy some refreshments and have some welcoming conversations with one another. At the end of the service, as a reminder, we have that co uh, congregational benediction that everybody's invited to join in in those very last words. And as we prepare ourselves to continue to worship, let's rise with this morning's call to worship. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity, and you have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Let us worship God.
You may be seated. As we seek to quiet the tumult within us, sensing the Spirit's calming presence around us, let us offer our prayers in adoration of God's steadfast love. Let us pray. Loving God, how good it is to sing your praises, to tell of your wondrous deeds. Like a parent loves a child, you welcome us, gathering us into your warm embrace, holding us close. When the world seems too much, you tend to us, reassuring us that you love us and will protect us and will hold off all that threatens to undo us. Precious Jesus, welcome and gather and hold us close once more as we speak the tender words you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us trust God enough to share with him our harms and our hurts, what we have done to ourselves, what we have done to others. Let us pray. Holy God, hear our prayers, for we are in great need of your mercy. We forget so often to look to you, to turn to you, to dwell with you. We neglect to ask for your help in prayer, to seek after your will in your word, to glean how to love through your triune relationship. Rather than learning your ways, following your commands, receiving your will, we prefer instead to rely on ourselves. And so we struggle, we fall, we fail. We need you every moment of every day of our lives. Forgive us when we falter and receive us again with the truest welcome only you may provide. Amen. Friends, we are bold to proclaim what God has promised us from the very beginning, and that is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we were called as members of one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us greet one another in the name of Christ.
may be seated. And as you are being seated, do we have any children here today to come down for a moment with me? Ah, great. Thank you for coming down. I appreciate that. I took time to prepare the children's sermon, so thanks. I want to talk to you this morning about this wonderful meal somebody made a long time ago. And the first thing that they did is they went into their cupboard and they said, let's get the best flour so we can make the most wonderful bread. And so they went and they made just the best bread they possibly could. And then they went into the refrigerator. It wasn't really a refrigerator back then. And they got the best meat that they had. And they prepared it so it was extremely tasty. And so they set a wonderful spread with all the best food that they possibly could have. Now, what kind of person do you think you do such a wonderful meal for? So you might do that for your mom. I think mom's in the pew and loves to hear that. That's fantastic. Now, who else might you do a wonderful, so you might do it for a parent. Who else might you do such a great meal for? A chef, because a chef could really appreciate it. Yes, I think that's right. And might you do it maybe for some special friends? So you, you, you might do a wonderful meal for your friend Lola. Well, a long time ago, there was a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah. And they thought, saw three strangers passing by. People who they didn't know who they were. They'd never met them before. They were just walking off in the distance. And you know what Abraham did? Not Abraham Lincoln, but that's a, that's a, you know, where it's July the 4th weekend. That's an absolute fantastic answer. But Abraham, the president, got his name from a man in the Bible from a long time ago. And when he saw three strangers walking by, Abraham ran out. It's like, it's like we saw three people walking across the street and you run out and you bow down to them. Now, why do people bow down to others? It show, this is a very bright young lady. That's exactly right. It shows respect. Abraham didn't even know these people and he bowed down to them and he said, my lords, if I find favor with you, let me serve you. And that's when he made, he and Sarah had this great feast. And the purpose of this story is that not only when we see our friends or our parents or people we know, but even when we see strangers on the street, God wants to treat them as if they're Jesus himself. Let's say a prayer. Dear God, we thank you for these Bible stories that show us how it is that we might love others the way that you love them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you can go back to your seat. Thanks so much for coming.
In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus invites us to think about how we welcome others. At first, this seems like a trivial topic to include in the Bible, but in the hands of Jesus, it becomes the heart of the Gospel. God of welcome, may your spirit usher us into your loving presence and challenge us to confront our own fears. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The word of the Lord. The 19th century short story writer and Civil War veteran Ambrose Bierce in The Devil's Dictionary wrote a humorous, somewhat scathing social critique disguised as a resource book. L listen to a few of these definitions in this so-called dictionary. Love, definition, a temporary insanity cured by marriage. The book's clearly quite cynical as well. A lottery, definition. A tax on people who are bad at math. <laughs> clearly math has never been humanity's strong point. Cabbage, definition. A familiar kitchen garden vegetable about as large and as wise as a man's head. Apparently, men were just as obtuse in Ambrose Bierce's day as in ours. But it's his definition of hospitality that truly concerns us this morning. Hospitality, the virtue which induces us to feed and lodge certain people who are not in need of food and lodging. Certain people not in need of food and lodging. In Bierce's day, as well as in ours, what passed for hospitality was actually social favors amongst the well-to-do, where people were simply exchanging favors and food with one another. But this is the exact opposite of what Jesus had in mind when he talked about welcoming in Matthew's gospel. And it was the exact opposite in the way that he lived his life. Far from simply exchanging social niceties with his peers. He spent time with people that others refused to. Tax collectors, so-called sinners, lepers. These were the people that others refused to spend any time with. And he entered their homes and he ate and drank with them. 
He didn't only exchange niceties with them. He enjoyed time with them despite the naysayers. This welcome that Jesus calls for, it's not as simple as saying hello to somebody who passes by on the street. It is not a generic reception, but rather, he tells us, you welcome the righteous person as a righteous person and a prophet as a prophet, meaning that each encounter with another person, you consider who they are. And then that becomes an opportunity to understand God's plan for your life that day. Asking yourself, why does God have this encounter planned for me today? Who are they? And what should happen? For in welcoming them, you explore the intentions of God. Now, in the Middle East, welcoming the stranger especially has been an important part of that culture long before even Jesus was born. Now, I remember going on a trip to Jordan some years ago. And the trip was incredible. I floated on the Dead Sea in the middle of the night. I went to the River Jordan and saw the place that perhaps Jesus himself was baptized. And I stood by Mount Nebo and looked over the promised land, the exact same place that Moses first set his eyes after such a long journey. But despite these incredible historic moments, the most remarkable thing about my visit was the reception that we had, the way that we strangers were treated as honored guests in every hotel, every town, and every marketplace. Now, the stranger is treated as an honored guest because you just never know who they might be. And I think perhaps it's not in small part due perhaps to that story of Abraham and Sarah that we heard about in the children's sermon. It was at the Oaks of Mamre, and it's Mamre, and it's, it comes from Genesis 18. And we've already seen how he didn't just offer a few leftovers, but the absolute best from his cupboard and Jonathan Sachs, the once great chief rabbi of Great Britain, observed an interesting fact about such encounters and the Bible's instructions in general. In the Hebrew Bible, there is one time that we are told to love your neighbor. One time. But 36 times that the Bible tells us to love the stranger. 1, verses 36. Now, because of our fragmented world, that stranger, it might be a person across the ocean. It could be somebody across town. But it also might be someone in the cubicle next to you or down at the end of your pew. 
and a gracious welcome in the manner that Jesus describes has the power to actually change the world. Or so the Bible teaches us. Now after Abraham extends his hospitality, what we discover is that suddenly these three strangers appear to be something more. And somehow they know Sarah's name. And they know her plight. They know her condition. They know that she has had the pain of not having a child that she's wanted so much for so many decades. And she's got this vague promise from God. It still hasn't come to pass yet. But they lift her hopes once again. And they say, in due time, Sarah will have a son. And she's been made cynical by the hard years. And so she laughingly says, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? She couldn't conceive of a world filled with joy, especially one that came about from being kind to strangers. Now, out of the blue, suddenly in that story in Genesis, God speaks. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? This is a fundamental question of faith for each one of us. Do we believe that there are things so wonderful that even the Lord couldn't make them come to pass? Well, apparently not in this case, for not too long after this story, Isaac is born. And not only is it a child for Abraham and Sarah, but it's the next chapter in God's plan of saving humanity. But serving strangers, it gives us pause perhaps especially in New York City. We, we hesitate to help somebody on a subway because we're afraid. We're afraid they might be faking it or what might happen. Not too far down from one of my streets that Wendy and I used to live at, there was a driveway with a sign out right in front of it. No turning around in this driveway. Especially stalled cars, this means you. <laughs> I think that sign got its point across. It was not welcoming to strangers. But Abraham shows us how we can open ourselves up to the stranger. He bows down before them. Now, if three strangers appeared outside your apartment on your front lawn, if you've got one of those, what would your reaction be? Run inside, close the blinds, and hope they didn't see you? Turn on the sprinkler system and teach them a lesson. Or, as Abraham did, bow down before them while saying, My Lord, if I find favor with you, let me serve you. Rather than fearing the stranger, Abraham considered it a profound privilege to serve them. Now, Karen Armstrong, a world-renowned world religions scholar, in her book, One City, Three Faiths, explains that Abraham and Sarah are not just exhibiting the age-old aphorism, be kind to strangers, 
but rather something enfolded into the very fabric of creation by God. And she writes, this encounter expresses a truth which is central to monotheism. The sacred doesn't manifest itself only in holy places. We can also encounter the divine in other people. It is essential, therefore, that we treat others with whom we come into contact, even complete strangers, with absolute dignity and respect. For they, too, enshrine the divine mystery, she concludes. Honor, dignity, respect. We know that there's vast chasms that have opened up between people in our world. But this passage suggests that dignity, honor, and respect may be a key, one of the keys to crossing and bridging this gap. And, and one German philosopher, Hans Gadamer, went even further. There's not only this gap between people of different experiences, but in his writing, he explains that there's a fundamental gap between all people because you can never really actually walk in their shoes. You can never literally get inside their head. You can't. And so there's a fundamental distance between all people. But as people of faith, we believe there is a power that can bridge this divide and of course, it's the power of the spirit of the living God. And as you can see in Abraham and Sarah's encounter and Jesus' way of life, the Holy Spirit becomes evident, becomes seen in the midst of welcoming others. It doesn't come, though, from sitting on our metaphorical front porches, but running out and bowing down to the divine within them. Now, I never knew the true power of welcome until Wendy and I moved to Magnolia, Arkansas. It's just as southern as delightful as it sounds. The Deep South, when I went to pastor First Presbyterian Church there. And at first, I thought they were being fake because they were so incredibly friendly. As a, no, no, nobody can actually be this nice. <laughs> but it turned out it was genuine. It was real. And there was one elder in my mind that stood out. Sterling Lacey. Now every person that I ever saw Sterling Lacey meet, whoever they were, he shook their hands with both of his hands, he looked them right in the eye and said, it's so great to meet you. And he really meant it. Now, Sterling was an elder in the church, and he also sang in the choir. Now, in that congregation, the choir faced the congregation directly. Now, it just so happened that Sterling Lacey not only fell asleep every week during the sermon, but he also snored, somewhat audibly. But somehow, in the midst of his nap during the sermon... He still was able to spy every visitor in church that Sunday. 
And at the end of worship, after the benediction, he would make a beeline to the back and catch that person before they walked out the back door and offer them that same incredible greeting. But there was even much more to Sterling Lacey. It it wasn't only a, a kindness exchanged in simple words. But he, as an elder, he came before the session one Sunday, one, one meeting, and he told us that there were people in our town that could no longer attend their home churches. That their own churches told them that they were sinners. That their own churches told them that they were going to hell. And he said, we have to do something about it. This was in 1996, when AIDS was still often a death sentence. And he said, we have to welcome them as we would welcome the Lord himself. And so that's what we strove to do, to welcome them into our homes for family meals, to welcome them into our pews, and to do everything that we could as they grew sicker. Now, my goal in life is to try to be one-tenth as gracious as Sterling was. And if I do that, then I'll be able to look God in the face when I go to meet my maker. Now I have seen incredible sparks and glimpses of this here at Brick Church. Now you've heard me tell these things before, but I I keep coming back to them. We know the tree lighting. People from all walks of life, clearly they're not mostly Presbyterian, And I don't even think the majority of them are Christian. Jews, Muslims, agnostics, pagans, atheists, and more. But we're all there together, singing these glorious hymns. And then even at our Easter service a few months ago, people came up to me after that worship service, and they said, I'm a Sikh, I'm Jewish, I'm an atheist. But they all said the same thing. Thank you for treating us with respect. Thank you for this wonderful service that has lifted my heart and my hopes. It warms my heart to know that people come to our doors, whoever they are, and have felt the welcome of Christ. May we set this as a goal for our lives. To treat everybody we come into contact with to the very best of our ability, knowing that we will fail, but to treat them as we would treat the Lord Jesus himself. And who knows how God might use that to forward the healing path 
for the world. Amen. We've heard the word proclaimed. Let us stand and affirm what we believe this day using these words from the Belhar Confession. We believe in one holy universal Christian church, the unity of the communion of saints of the entire human family. And we believe that this unity of the people of God must be manifest and active in that we love one another that we give ourselves willingly and joyfully to one another, that we share one baptism together, that we eat of one bread and drink of one cup together, that we confess one name, one Lord, for one cause, with one hope, which is the height and the breadth and the depth and the love of Christ forever and ever. Amen. be seated. This day, as every day, we pray for peace and restoration and wholeness around our world. This morning in particular, let us remember those in France where there are conflicts raging, the people of Ukraine where war continues, and in Haiti where the difficulties continue to challenge that country that has known difficulty for a very long time. As we consider all of these prayers and these people, let us join our voices together. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, there are times when the call to follow you seems too great. There are sacrifices you ask us to make that seem too unreasonable. There are moments that feel more like years when we are sure you have turned your face away from us. We know not what to do, what to say, how to say it. Our prayers become like dust in our mouths. Our hopes become like shattered glass before our feet. Our dreams become like evaporated water, gone without a trace. We wish to hide. And yet you refuse to let us be. You refuse to let us go. You refuse to let us avoid you, to let us believe that you are anything other than one filled to overflowing with steadfast, eternal love. Hold fast to us again this day, this very moment. Hear the prayers that we are afraid to utter Sure, they are even too great, too impossible for you. 
Remove the pain that causes so much anguish, whether physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. And take us back under your eternal, grace-filled, comforting, protective wing that shields us from all harm. We pray this in the name of the one who gave of himself willingly, ensuring we are yours and have no fear of you forever. Amen. Our gifts are meant to be offered to God in grateful response for all God has given us, all God continues to give us, all God will give us. Do we really believe this? If so, let us with generous and glad hearts return a portion of what we have received to our gracious God. So 
Let us pray. A gracious and giving God, you provide us all we need for our daily bread and so much more. All that we receive from you is good. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask that you bless these gifts. Take them and use them so that all may know the name of Jesus, our brother and our savior. Amen. out into this world welcoming the stranger as you would welcome the Lord himself and the Lord will bless your life and others now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord be kind and gracious to you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace from this moment on and forevermore amen mm -hmm.